Romans chapter 13, the Lord willing, we'll look at verses 1 through 7. And listen, in this passage this morning, it's a passage that speaks of God putting in place authorities. We're going to see the overriding theme of this is our God is a God of order. And for there to be order, there has to be authority set in place. Authorities that are in place, and we'll see here this morning, every soul is to be submitted or subjected to those authorities that are over him or her. This is to help maintain order even here in homes, in fellowships, in nations, and cultures, and so forth. We'll see this morning that those in authority who should be under the authority of God, they are there to bless those who do good, to do good to those who do good, as well as to punish those who would do evil. We'll see that a sword has been given to them by the Lord Almighty to be able to bring forth that punishment or wrath, And remember last week, we saw that charge to give room for the vengeance of God. He says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. There are times when that vengeance comes by God through those that are in authority here on earth. And that would be to have an orderly home, an orderly fellowship, an orderly government, and even for there to be a reverence towards God, even knowing if I do these things, there's going to be consequences So again, as we get going here, we'll consider these appointed authorities, mainly looking at the authorities in government because that is the main thing being addressed here, but also considering the home and the church because there is a a, a cohesiveness in this. We'll see absolutely the the ultimate authority over everything is God Almighty. And we will consider... When those in authority are contradicting God's word or calling those under the authority to sin, absolutely, we always follow the authority of God and his word, and we do that unapologetically. We'll see again that when we rebel against that authority, we should have a fear. That's emphasized in this over and over and over again. That the authorities in place will face a stricter judgment, and that's something that Again, when we get put in those places, we should have before us. There should be a fear of God. It's easy to get into a place of authority and start to abuse that. And listen, there is a greater judgment. There's a greater responsibility found in leadership and in that place of authority. In the home, in Christianum, in the government, in employment, and across the board. We'll also consider the question this morning... Why are there so many wicked authorities? Has anyone thought about that at all? Why, why, why is that the case? And then we'll also see, it, amongst other things, that listen, there's a great blessing having a clear conscience in these matters. Honoring God in these matters versus a convicted conscience because of rebellion against authority that is unjustified. And let's face it, it is a rebellious world. There's a lot of rebellion against authority and there's times when, you know what, we give in to temptations when our rebellion is not justified. Worst of all, we'll consider having a seared conscience in these things. And I think a lot of folks have that where they are just callous to all of these things and then they're not even convicted in their rebellious behaviors and so forth. And listen, to tie this into where we were the last few weeks there in Romans 12, all of this falls under that banner of love where we're charged to do everything uh, in love and as we were told, let love be without hypocrisy. Because if we're claiming we love God and yet we're rebellion against authority, we are actually being rebellious against God. And we're moving as hypocrites. And so this falls under that banner of loving God, loving our neighbor. And I'll tell you, it also is a call for us to walk by faith to trust God in these things. And we'll talk about that as well, how, again, even when we are under a harsh taskmaster, God works it for good in the lives of those that love God and are called according to his purposes. And there's great comfort found in that. We'll consider, we'll consider some examples of that. So that's a, you know what, 
the, the, the direction we're going, kind of an overview. Let's read verses one through seven, and then we'll dive into this here this morning. Uh, if you're new at this, you'll, you'll see in your packet, there's several verses there. We'll read some of these verses, some of those there, I'll just refer to them. And so they're there for your, you know what, uh, Bible study. And if you wanna go deeper in these things or consider some of the things that are just alluded to, those are there for that. I always encourage you to bring your Bibles, to have pen in hand, electronic bible that's cool just don't be checking your email and facebook that can all wait till later so guys over here playing the game <laughs> all right let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from god and the authorities that exist are appointed by god therefore whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of god and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. <clears throat> For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good. And you'll have praise from the same. For he is, he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now again, in getting started here, I refer to order. God is a God of order. God is the God of order. He is the only true living God, and he is the true living God of order. It's seen all around us. It's seen in creation. In those six days that God took to create the earth, you see an incredible order of God creating and bringing forth creation and doing it in a orderly fashion, in a beautiful fashion, where after each day he'd step back and say, it is good. Listen, it's seen in conception and just been really diving deeper into life from the womb and so forth. And it's so beautiful when those 23 chromosomes from the mom and the 23 from the dad, they come together and it becomes 46 and a life is conceived. Perfect order in that in God's hand manifesting and bringing forth life in the womb of a woman that he has ordained to, you know, to, to, to minister to that life in the life of a father who's he ordained to minister to that life. Perfect order in it. You see it in the functioning of creation day in and day out. Don't you marvel at times? And if you don't, we should. That sun perfectly coming up every day and perfectly setting every night that moon following it you know what in the night and sometimes in the late afternoon and so forth and just things flowing and so forth there is an order in creation we see the order in god's heart and mind even after man fell and brought chaos and brought a curse we saw the perfect prophecy of the messiah who would come and though that serpent would bruise his heel, he would crush that serpent's head. And as you follow the Old Testament thread of prophecy after prophecy concerning that Savior, he would come in a perfect order and perfectly fulfill those 300 plus prophecies concerning his first coming. None of them went undone. All of them were, you know what, T's crossed, I's dotted, every jot and tittle fulfilled. The same is true in the Lord's second coming. We've heard the phrase before, oh, everything's falling apart. Well, hopefully you've heard the phrase. I don't know who coined it, but no, actually everything's falling in place because we serve the God of order. Listen, order is seen in Israel in the Old Testament in the prescribed manner of worship given to them by God. I mean, you go and if you go through the Bible and read verse by verse, and I encourage you to be doing that, cycling yourself through, reading the entirety of the word. 
You get into some of those books like Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers, and there can be stretches where it's like, you know, they're talking about these ceremonial approaches and so forth. And, you know, it, it can be dry reading, though you start digging, and it's amazing what you start finding on those pages. But have you ever stepped back and just marveled at the order of things? It's supposed to be done in this way, a prescribed manner of worship. Also, as New Testament believers in God's church today, there is a prescribed manner of worship that is meant to be, and we have a call to walk in in order. First Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. Notice Titus 1, 5. Paul says to Titus, for this reason I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I command you. So set order in the church. And we'll see here in a second. Part of that is leadership in a church, an authority in the church, always under the authority of God, serving those people who they are under, but leading them to the Lord in an orderly fashion. And then Paul said to those in Colossae and Colossians 2 5 for though I'm absent in the flesh I am with you in spirit rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfast of your faith in Christ so Paul rejoicing in the order that was there amongst the Colossians in their worship listen this is also seen in the resurrection of Jesus and the soon resurrection of of those souls that are with the Lord in heaven, but their bodies will be resurrected, and those on earth in Christ when they are raptured. Notice 1 Corinthians 15, 23, but each one in his own order, speaking of the resurrection, Christ the first fruits, and afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. A perfect order in resurrection. And listen, the list goes on and on and on and on. Everywhere you look in the word, everywhere you look in creation, you see order. And for someone to step back and say all this order came out of disorder is insanity as well as intellectually dishonest. And yet that nonsense is teached in almost every school in America, every public school in America. That's called suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Everything screams order. Everything screams a designer. You can see it by observation. It's all around us, but that means we'll have to give an account to that designer, that God. Let's suppress that in, in, you know, in unrighteousness, and we'll just say, you give it enough time, anything can happen. <laughs> you give it enough time, you know what? Life can spring forth from chemicals well where they come from well you give it enough time and they'll just appear no god is the god of order and god's order is all over the place listen where there's not order there's disorder and that is not good james three fourteen. but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts do not boast and lie against the truth this wisdom does not descend from above, but notice what it is. It's earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, notice, confusion and every evil thing are there. When one is in a place when they will not be subjected to an authority over them as prescribed by God, when instead they are self-seeking, they are rogue, they'll say, I do my own thing. Ultimately, it's a rebellion against God himself. You might just be thinking you're rebelling against that authority, but you're rebelling against God himself. That's earthly, sensual, and demonic. Notice, confusion and every evil thing are there. There's a lot of confusion in the world, is there not? Boy, there is a lot of evil in the world. Look at it stems from so much self-seeking and hardness of heart against authority. Again, ultimately against the authority of God. Kicking against God. Saying, I'll do as I will. I'll do what's right in my own eyes. I'll do things in my way and not God's way. And boy, you see it all over. We look at our culture right now, and there's so much of it you look at, and you say, boy, this isn't good. It goes back to this rebellion against God's authority, God's word, and God's prescribed order. Part of God's order is seen in him putting authorities you can say people in charge, in place, and calling. Notice how it starts here in verse 1. Every soul, that means no exceptions, 
to be subjected or submitted to those authorities. For again, for there's no authority except from God and authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now those authorities are under God himself. And when they don't lead as God would call them to lead, then they're subjected to his sword. (laughs) There's a greater responsibility in that. Sometimes that takes time to play out. But that's where there should be a fear of God in all of us when we get put in those places of authority. Again, it's not, you're not put there. We don't get there to bully people, to put our foot on people's necks, but to have a fear of God and serve those that we are called to lead in a Christ-like manner. We see this order, this place of authority, uh, order of authority first and foremost in the home. We know before there was the church, before, again, there was any nations, any governments, God created a man, he created a woman, he brought them together, they got married, they absolutely consummated that marriage, the two became one, and it's really the highest covenant, you know, outside of our covenant with Jesus Christ here on the face of the earth, one man, one woman together in holy matrimony, And he set an order in that. Colossians 3.18. Wives, submit to your own husbands. As is fitting in the Lord, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things. Notice, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they should become discouraged. An order in the home. The man is called to lead that home. As he is being led by the Lord, he is called to absolutely love his wife. In fact, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. The Lord was crucified for us, was he not? And men that take this and say, okay, I am the leader. I'm going to be heavy-handed in it. You all are going to be my whipping boys and girls. I am going to snap everyone into place, and it's all about me. You are not leading in a godly manner. When men get bitterness in their hearts towards their wives, the Scripture says their prayers are hindered. How can we as men be led by the Lord if we hold on to those things? No, we'll be led by bitterness. Men, when they get other sins in their life that they're not bringing to God, they'll start leading by themselves, not by the Lord. Issues will happen in that home. That makes it hard for that wife to follow after. Then she's in a place where, again, all the more as her her soul, so to speak, is being battered that she needs to turn to the Lord and go, I'm going to commit this guy to you, God. I'm going to bring him before you. But an order is seen here. And again, it should be every man in that place recognizing I have a higher call. And if I do not lead the way that God has called me to lead, then these things we just read about, a vengeance and wrath and the sword, they're going to come down on me. That's encouragement men to lead well, is it not? For us to die to our self-seeking. For us when we feel maybe disrespected in something because it says for the woman to respect the husband, we don't get a heart of bitterness that then hinders our prayers and gets us off leading the way that God has called us to lead. We ask for the Lord's help. We address the situation properly and biblically so that absolutely the home itself would be led by God Almighty. Notice 1 Corinthians 11.3, but I want you to know the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man. And notice, hear this, the head of Christ is God. Is that saying Jesus is not God? No, we know Jesus is Lord. We know Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. But we know when the Lord came here and became a man, when he was 100% God, 100% man, he was subjected fully to the authority of the Father at every single turn, even to the point of laying down his life for a world full of, re- of rebels who crucified him, who spat on him, who came against him, 
But as he subjected himself to the Father, it was to the glory of God as well as in his love for us, making that way for us to be saved, again, through his death and resurrection, by grace alone, through faith alone, in him alone. Can we say amen to that this morning? So again, notice in this the higher call of authority. And see, what happens when this is mixed up or in a home when the woman says, I'm going to lead, and sometimes women have to co-lead because the men aren't leading at all. And boy, if that's the case in your home, men, it's time to step up. It's time for you to draw near in the Lord. God has even placed it in your wife's heart to want to be led as you are being led by the Lord. It's part of God's order. But again, when there is disorder, look at, I, I could say, look at, there's not many things worse than a bitter man. Maybe what's worse is a rebellious woman. <laughs> you know, coin toss here, what's worse? But you see disorder. And you see in the home, and you see these things even being coached up. You see a great effort to effeminize the men in our culture. That is a satanic attack on our culture. You see, uh, uh, you know what, a, a great coaching up for women. And listen, it's not to say that women don't have a phenomenal and fantastic role. They do. This isn't saying men are better than women. It's not. There, there, there's there's a, a, a lot of things that absolutely, you know, uh, um, are beneficial when the men is being the man and the woman's being the woman. And yet you see this great effort to come against all this. It says children obey their parents. Boy, what a great effort being done for kids not to obey their parents. It just came on my mind. I don't know if you saw this week, the CDC, they have a special chat room for kids that want to, you know, explore being transgender. So basically they're keeping them from their parents to have these little chat rooms. Again, for what? For rebellion against God? These kids need to be taught the word of God. They need to know you're a male, you're a female. That's how God made you. God made you with order. Walk in that order and be blessed. And yet you see an assault on this, and it always starts in the home. Listen, cultures fall when homes get out of order. Pray for our country. Pray for the homes and marriages. And God grant us grace and mercy to function in these things by faith. Can we say amen to that this morning? Listen, quickly here in the church. God has called for there to be order. First of all, with qualified elders and pastors that are leading. Qualifications, as you read there in Timothy, I believe it's chapter 3, and Titus, I believe it's in the first chapter, to lead, to shepherd, to do it in a manner as servants. Not to be heavy-handed, also not to not have a backbone or to be jellyfish. 1 Peter 5, 1, the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Notice, shepherd the flock which is among you. It's a picture of a shepherd leading sheep, serving as overseers. So you're serving God as an overseer, leading aware, not by compulsion, but willingness, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not for being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. Now listen, this is a, a, a big matter of, of big subject of, of conversation right now. This call for women to be pastors of churches. That's unbiblical. <laughs> the Southern Baptist Convention right now is the biggest evangelical denomination in america there's this big push right now for women pastors it's headed up by rick warren of course you know of course rick warren once again you know trying to give us his wisdom above god's word a great push for it there are some of you may be hearing this right now and you feel offended by what i'm saying don't be offended by me if that's the case you need to be offended by god's word and then you step back and say where's this rebellion coming from it ain't coming from god First Timothy 2.12, do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. But in silence, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgressions. Now again, is this to suppress women? Absolutely not. Look at women have spiritual gifts. They have a great role to play. Women play a great role in this fellowship. 
Now, women serving all over the place and absolutely doing a phenomenal job in it. So why would God say this? Why would God have it this way? I'll tell you why. Because when women take that role of leading in the church, it undermines the home where men are to be leading in the home. It absolutely does. And listen, there's many phenomenal women who can teach the word well, but when they take that position and say, I'm gonna head up a church, every time they go into the pulpit, they are undermining God's authority and they are undermining, again, marriage and they are undermining a home. I'll tell you, the Southern Baptist Convention, if they adopt that, that will produce a plague, a plague that will absolutely come and undermine that denomination and bring great carnage. Again, God has an order. God wants us to walk in that order. And absolutely, those that are in that place of leadership, just like in the home, will give a greater account. Notice Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls, at least they should be. They should be watching out for the souls of those that are leading versus watching out for their fame, fortune, their pocketbook. Again, them ascending the ranks of the next celebrity pastor. They should be watching out for the souls of those that they oversee. Notice, as those who must give an account. There needs to be a fresh fear of God on us when it comes to leadership that we're going to give an account before God Almighty. So it's got to be about God. It's got to be about others before it's about us. And then we'll read out the rest of it. Let them do so with joy and not grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And I can tell you as one that's been pastoring for over 25 years, it is grieving and unjoyful when you try to lead a rebellious sheep a rogue sheep (laughs) and let me tell you i could tell you many stories from up here it's not fun oftentimes individuals that are being restricted by their own affections second corinthians um what is it i can't even read my notes here well it's in second corinthians making it difficult again that rebelliousness that rebelliousness no matter what it is there's got to be friction no matter what it is they got to come with their own angle and so forth and again ultimately what they're doing is they're hindering their own walk with the lord now again we're not and we'll get to this we're not talking about some heavy-handed wolf here we're not talking about some spineless hireling here not leading people in the ways of the lord not opening god's word You know, someone that just tells corny stories and jokes on Sunday morning and pulls a scripture out of context to justify the whole, you know, the the whole disaster going up on some stage somewhere. We're not talking about that. We're talking about God-ordained authority and order in the church. And listen, this moves us to the main thing being talked about in the text here in society, with governments, with kings, with rulers, them leading. And ideally, it would be them leading as being led by God. And when they lead not being led by God, they are stacking up a judgment against them. And you see it all over the place, do you not? So many kings and rulers leading, but they're not led by God. You see it nationally, you see it locally. Some office springs up, and here they come running. I want everyone to have their eyes on me. No fear of God in it. Bro, you're stacking up a judgment on you if you run for that without a fear of God to promote your own agenda, to do your own thing, to bring forth evil. You don't want to be doing that. But when they get in that place, God allows it to happen. We'll talk why is that the case here in a bit. But we are to be submitted to those authorities. You're like, oh, no, I don't. Can I go get pancakes right now? (laughs) What are you talking about, Steve? Again, there's balance in these things, so don't get ahead of me or don't fall behind me here. But we just read the text here. This is real clear in these first seven verses, is it not? Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Well, that's just Paul. Paul was having a bad day. Well, Peter basically says the same thing. And they both say it under the, 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 the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. Notice 1 Peter 2.13, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to king supreme or to governors, as those who are sent 
by him for punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you may notice put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Here's the huge thing in it. As free, yet not using liberty for a, uh, as a cloak for vice. But as bond servants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So we're free. We got liberty. The Lord even talks about, again, you know what? Technically, you're free from taxes, but for their sake, pay, their, pay your taxes. A lot of times when it comes to, oh, I'm under grace. I don't need to follow that. Yeah, you are. You are free, but we are not to use our liberty for a cloak, for a vice, or for sinful activities and so forth. We use our grace to serve God, Amen. We use grace, that divine influence, to even undergird us and strengthen us when we're in a place where we are oppressed by authority. So we don't want to cherry-pick scriptures in these things. We also need to know that with kings and governors, their hearts are in the hand of the Lord. That doesn't mean when they act wickedly and do wicked things and have wicked statues as the majority of them do nowadays that that is coming from God because it's a fallen world. And we'll see in a second, oftentimes leaders are reflections of people that they are leading. But absolutely, Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. So with that in mind, you know it's better than just being rebellious and having spit and vinegar come out of your mouth, out of your nostrils at every turn. You know it's better than that to pray for those in authority. To know, listen, their heart's in the hand of God. I'm gonna cry out to the authority over that authority that God would intervene in this situation. Look, there have been a lot, a lot of people the last 50 years praying that Roe versus Wade would get overturned. It got overturned not long ago. To the glory of God. Well, we need to be praying for our state, though, do we not? We need to pray. Maybe, oh, man, that's great. Then you look here, we're doubling down. You know, we're going to take your tax dollars and we're going to fly people in. Well, let's all the more cry out to God. Let's cry out all the more, turn to the Lord. Because here's the thing, listen, when authorities and nations are submitted to God, they're blessed. Psalm 33, 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Notice Isaiah 60, 12, though, for the nation and kingdom which will not serve you shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly, uh, man, I keep, Ruined. I keep circling the wrong, like, that, that R looked like an M in my notes. <laughs> so again, we need to pray for these people all the more. We need to go to the authority above them and cry out to God and make sure that we just don't get a rebellious heart and we feel justified in our rebellion because they're so evil. Ever been there before? <laughs> we got one hand representing everyone in the room this morning. <laughs> And again, this, listen, everything over everything is God. Every, God is over everything. First Chronicles 29, 11, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head over all. So above everything, we're submitted to him. James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. And when we are not submitted to God, whether we're in a place under authority and even all the more, if we're in the place of authority, we are walking in pride and God will be opposed to us. That's why he says to those men, your prayers will be hindered if you are led by bitterness and you are not being led by me. Oh, help us in that, Lord. This, it takes a step of faith. It takes trusting God. It, it takes bringing hurts before God and bringing our sin before God and saying, I'm going to trust in God and do it God's way. There's no exceptions. Again, let every soul be subjected to the governing authorities. Understanding again that God has put them there. God's allowed them to be there at the minimum for there to be some resemblance of order and also to bring forth his will. 
Listen, there's many a time when there's a wicked authority used by God to shape and mold his people. There's many a time where a wicked authority is used to, ha- to, to move oppressed people to cry out to God, to cry out for God's intervention, to cry out for God's salvation. It just comes to my mind when the gospel got there into China and then, you know, communism took over and they drove out the Christian missionaries. And then many years later, it was opened back up and they said, we're not going to find any Christians there. There are more Christians over there than over here. Because guess what? In that oppression, you know what they did? They cried out to God. (laughs) And there's these little men thinking they're God running around. God saying, you know what? In your rebellion, I'm going to use that oppression upon these people to see their souls saved, to cry out to Jesus Christ for salvation. So again, God works in all these things. And really, listen, in most cases, a worse scenario of no leadership is utter anarchy. <laughs> Every man doing what's right in his own eyes. And you're like, well, that sounds better. Well, that may not sound better. You get a few weeks of that. Verse two, quickly here. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. This is really clear. Again, God appoints individuals and governments that will be over us in life. And when we resist that authority, again, we're resisting God's ordinances and we are resisting God's authority. And if you resist God, there's going to be consequences. And you just see it all over. There's so much rebellion in our culture today. There there are many who resist some authority. There's others who resist every authority. Just everywhere they go, they just resist authority. There are some people that do this in the name of Jesus. They think they're God's crusader, walking in rebellion everywhere they go. Do you know any folks like that? Folks who rarely pray, were rarely, you know, uh, preach the name of Christ. But boy, when they feel like things are a little bit of oppression, I'm ready to go out and let's go storm and do whatever we need to do. Not saying that there can't be a place for petitions or for protests and things. We have freedoms and rights to do that. But when it's all about me versus all about him, that's problematic. When us demanding our freedom is just so I can live as I will, that's problematic. It should be I rejoice in the freedoms I have. I want to see them maintained so all the more I can preach Christ crucified and raised from the dead. Again, this rebellion runs amok. It's perilous times. As prophesied in Scripture. I won't read it. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 speaks of it. And it's a perfect description of the world we're living in. And you could just put rebellion over everything on this list. Look at bottom line with this verse here. If you resist the ordinance of God, judgment will come from God. Start in the garden. God said, if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Man, ate of that tree. And guess what? Death set in. Real clear, we were right off the bat. They rebelled against God's authority. A curse came on this world. Spiritual death set in, or came, came fully in. Physical death set in. And praise God, he prophesied of that Savior who would come that would build the bridge to be back with God. But that comes only from submission to God, humbling your heart and calling on him, not in rebellion. Listen, these judgments can come from our own sin, punishing us, They can come from fines, restrictions, or jail. They can come from God woodshedding his children. They can come from a loss of reward at the Bema Seat Judgment. Where, yeah, you called on the Lord, but your your life was just lived with a rebellion. And worst of all, listen, those that don't come to Christ, that ultimate rebellion against God will be an eternal hell. The Lord desires no one to go there. That's why he laid down his life, that whoever would call on his name would be saved. Now listen, the big question that comes up with us, especially nowadays, is what if the authority commands me to sin against God? What if the authority is trying to move me to go against God's word? What do I do? We honor God. Listen, the first and great commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, with your mind. The Lord said in John 15, 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so when I do not keep God's commandments and call on me first, I'm not loving God. 
Listen, there's a side of this we need to know because there's a lot of individuals that name the name of Christ that go along with wicked mandates because they fear men more than they fear God. And they love their life more than they are loving God. And they go, well, you know, Romans 13 says, I got to go along with it. No, no, no. Look at, we don't take that out of context. We look at the totality of scripture. We honor God first. And there's example after example after example of this in scripture. I have many of them there in your notes. I'm not going to look at all of them. But I think one that's really pertinent today is there in Egypt when the Israelites were under bondage. Pharaoh was nervous because the more they oppressed the Israelites, the more they multiplied. And he said, we got to do something about this. We need to kill all their firstborn males. And so they came to the Hebrew midwives, these Hebrew nurses, these doulas, so to speak, that would be there with the woman when she gave birth. And Pharaoh said to them in verse 16, when, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, see that on their birth stools, if it's a son, then you shall kill them. Like what in the world? There's people right now trying to pass legislation in this state. It's not good enough to try to destroy life on the womb. They say, when they get out, give us a week to decide, you know, and if a woman kills that child, they're perfectly free. If you even investigate it, that officer will be tried and jailed for doing that. Look at in all these things, and I always preface this because this is a huge matter. Look at Satan steals, kills, and destroys. God gives life. God gives that life in the womb, but the Lord also laid down his life so we can have forgiveness of sin, restoration with God, and absolutely have abundant life in Christ. So you need to know that. Even if in talking of these things, you're like, oh, man. Come to Christ, call upon him. He washes, forgives, he restores. The blood of Jesus washes away all sin. Can we say amen to that this morning? But they're told to kill these males. But if it's a daughter, then she, then she shall live. It's the opposite of China the last how many ever years. Notice here, but the midwives feared God. And did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children. And again, this is where the person that wants to take this out of context, one way, one way to justify their rebellion, a liberal mindset against God in the name of Jesus, would say, oh, they should have killed those kids because God put that authority in place and he told them to do it. No, no, no. That goes against the authority of God. And they said, Pharaoh, we fear God. We're not going to do that. Well, it must have ended disastrously for them. No. It goes on to say in verse 20, Therefore God dealt with the midwives well, and the people multiplied and grew. And because the midwives feared God, he provided households for them. Hear this, obeying God always ends better. It always ends better. You see it with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3. Daniel himself in Daniel 6. You see it with the Lord. Look at, there was Rome, but then there was also Jewish customs and laws. And one of them was, you can't heal anyone on the Sabbath. And the Lord said, I'm going to heal on the Sabbath. <laughs> that was a law that went against the law of God. You see it in Acts when, again, the church is birthed and they commanded them not to preach Jesus. And they say there in Acts 4, uh, 19, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And they keep doing it and then they get them again there in Acts 5, 28. Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And they said, oh boy, you're right, but we've been convicted, you know. No, they said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And listen, there was a time when we would have looked at this and say, oh yeah, you know what, the persecuted church, and yes, absolutely, we pray for our brothers and sisters that oftentimes are under greater oppression than here. But it was only a few years ago where we were told, you cannot have church. You can't have church. The whole world's gonna die, so you can't have church. And listen, there was a few weeks we didn't have church because Again, we wanted to respect that authority, and we said, I, 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 I was skeptical from the beginning, believe it or not. And again, it's not to say that, that this whole thing hasn't brought a lot of sickness and so forth. I think it's 
I don't want to start a rant, a man-made thing or whatever, but it is what it is. <laughs> but here's the thing, after like three, four weeks, I'm like, D -d 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 you know what, no. No. You better not have it. You better not have it. And they're bringing out these kind of, uh, you know what, sensationalized, you know, pictures on the news of, you know, pastors being arrested. And a lot of that's just show. Oh boy, I better not do that. I might get arrested. It's like a couple guys that are way out there. And you're like, this, this seems like theater here. And finally, we're like, you know what? We're opening. And we didn't do it in a secret. We called the police, called the city and said, we're opening. And basically there was, well, how are you doing it? I go, we're doing it better than the Walmart or your city council meetings. I can be a little chippy at times. And we moved in great wisdom in that. And God blessed that. God blessed it immensely. And then later, these, well, you know, you can't sing now. Well, God's called us to assemble and God's called us to sing. <laughs> he says, don't forsake the assembling together. As is the manner of some. But exhort one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So again, I didn't enjoy that. That wasn't something like, and we, we labored in prayer. We sought the Lord. We said, Lord, show us the time. Show us how to do this. It wasn't just like, oh, opportunity to rebel. It was like, Lord, we need to be led by you. And I'll tell you, God's blessed. God, this place has flourished the last few years, has it not? God just doing a phenomenal work to his glory. And see, this takes fearing God more than men. Quickly, listen, this would also, also would fall under this, would be sinning against your own conscience, providing your conscience is not seared. And we saw this in area of, of, of work. We saw this in area of mask wearing. We saw this in the area of forced vaccinations where people are like, this goes against my conscience. Second Corinthians speaks of worshiping with unveiled face. Again, going back to that birth, chromosomes are DNA attached to a protein. They're brought together, our mRNA. My conviction is I don't want that. I'm not saying that you're a different, you know what? I'm, I'm not saying if someone gets that, oh, they're not a human anymore. Look at, but I don't want myself personally, I don't want that tampered with. Those are my convictions. You got your convictions. We can fellowship together in the whole thing. It never became a divisive issue in our church. But my convictions are, I don't want that for that reason. I don't want that as well when I see it ushered out as a passport where you can't do this if you don't have that. We're, we're, this is starting to look like what the mark of the beast is going to be. And more so, my conviction is vaccines that come from aborted fetal cells, I don't participate. And that ain't a new thing for my home. My kids, as they become adults, they have their convictions. Mine has been, I don't participate. Because I don't want to be a guy that's pro-life just when it's a 13-year-old in South Central whose father's in prison and mother is hooked on heroin. That's real easy to be pro-life on that point. I remember in it, one of the pastors, you know, saying, I won't write any religious exemptions. And I think, shame on you. If that's not your conviction, fine. You're, you're causing people to sin against their conscience. Again, I'm talking about my convictions here. And his big thing was, well, we take ibuprofen, and that came from that too. Well, guess what? My back got thrown out, and I lay there for two days and said, I ain't taking no ibuprofen. I ain't researched it. I don't know, but I ain't going to take it. I prayed, and I moved, and God put my back back in place. <laughs> Those are my convictions. Those are my convictions. You got your convictions. You understand what I'm saying here? There's other things that are clear in the Word of God. You're like, well, my conviction is gay marriage should be, you know, legal and holy. You're sinning against God. Amen. A lot of these sayings, it's gray areas, convictions. And no one should sin against their convictions provided they don't have a seared conscience. Your conviction may be, look at, I, medical doctor, my doctor said to get it. I believe he's an authority, I'm gonna get it. Again, we'll all be responsible for ourselves and so forth. But I'll tell you, I had people weeping and weeping and weeping and wrote so many of those letters, even from people in churches where their pastor refused to do that. No, I don't see that. What about their conscience? 
Yeah, that's the selfishness in that. Notice Romans 14, 22. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself on what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whoever is not of faith is sin. And to me, if I take this, my conscience was I'm gonna be in sin. I'm not gonna sin against my conscience. And boy, there was a lot of threats. That's gonna cost you this. That's gonna cost you that. I'm gonna trust in the Lord. You're gonna lose this. You're gonna lose that. I'm gonna trust in the Lord. And God, as he always does, has been faithful. He's faithful in those things. Hear this quickly as well. Listen, we are not against subjected to these things when these powers, authorities go against God's commands. When these things go against God's commands or a unseared conscience convictions before God, we honor God. He's the highest authority. Side note, we live in a republic. It's not a democracy. A democracy is let's all vote. And if we decide 51% says these Christians need to shut up, that's the new law. No, a republic has laws and a constitution that are God-given rights. There's a big difference between the two. Yes, there's things that we vote on, but we are a republic. This nation was founded on a republic. The powers that be are subjected to the U.S. Constitution. And when they come against that, they're the ones behaving unlawfully. We have a God-given right. And listen, this is a unique thing we have in this nation. Freedom of speech, assembly, religion, a right to bear arms. Those are God-given rights, a right to defend yourself. Again, the writers of that Constitution even put it so far to overthrow tyranny. That's the ultimate document that rules over us in this country. Oh boy, I feel uncomfortable. That's the country you live in. (laughs) They're to be subjected to the Constitution. That's the authority over the land. This is why when they said you can't have drive-in church in California, guess what? It went to the Supreme Court. You can have drive-in church. And when they said, you can't have church, went to the Supreme Court and praise God. They actually subjected themselves to the Constitution. Of course you can have church. They lost at every turn. No church that I know of anywhere in America paid a fine for having church. Pray for our country, though. Because as this country is moving in a wayward way, judgment will come from God. And God says, that's what you want? You want a, you want a, a, a culture that doesn't want God? Well, then I'm going to hand you over to it. Again, we got to be educated in these things. We got to stop right there. We got three more verses. Well, I mean, we got like a bunch more verses. We'll get into those next week, I guess. I I don't have time to go through these. So hopefully that's a good time to stop. I hear pancakes calling your name. (laughs) Can we stop there? Are we good with that? We'll pick it up next week in verse three. And we laid a lot of foundational here, foundational stuff. And please know in these things, my, my intent is not to be divisive, but my intent is to preach God's word. Because I know some people hear this and that, that rebellion in them, you know, or a different conviction in them. Try to make that clear. This is God's word. These are convictions. Shared my conviction. You're like, I don't agree with that. Well, listen, you got your convictions before God. Be able to justify it before God, then you're good, right? That's where we want to be. Don't get a seared conscience. Make sure that conviction and conscience is being influenced by God, not by men. But I'll, I'll, I'll be unapologetic for my conscience. I don't think I've been called to like have to bury that. At the same time, I'll be respectful of your conscience. You respectful of mine. Isn't that a beautiful picture when we can be mature and walk as brothers and sisters in the Lord in that? Because immaturity says, no, it's gonna be my conscience or the highway. Well, wait a minute. Now that's selfishness and that's sin. Or there can't be healthy conversation about things and so forth. It takes a mature church to do that. And we want to walk in maturity. We want to walk in love in those things. 
let's stand up and we'll pray and worship the Lord and then there's food out there. And you're like, getting up. (laughs) 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 Heavenly Father, we bless you, we praise you. We thank you for the work of the cross. We thank you that you're our authority. We thank you for the clearness of scripture. We thank you for the freedoms we have, God. We want to operate in them with a fear of God. We want to love one another in these things. Lord, we want to trust in you, God, when powers that be are tyrants, even knowing you're working a good work in that. We want to be led of you when it comes to the point of saying, no, I'm not doing that. We want to be led of you, not of our flesh. We want to pray for these in authority. We pray this morning for Joe Biden, for Gavin Newsom, for authorities that are judges and congressmen and senators, our state government here and local officials. Lord, we would pray that you would bless them. And in praying that, we know blessings are your heart and your mind. Lord, there'll be repentance where repentance needs to take place. That the fear of God would fall fresh on this land. The Lord, even God, you would keep your restraining hand and all the more put your restraining hand on these that desire to do wickedness. Forgive us of our many sins as a country, Lord. And please embolden and help your people, God, and the call you have on us to represent you. Let us do it well. Help us to love you, to love one another, to have a heart of love for the lost. Even when we hear, you know, at some of these names that it wouldn't just make our skin crawl, but we say, I'm praying for that guy. I'm praying for that guy. I'm lifting him up to the Lord. Lord, let us move as you've called us to move. And here, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you need to come to the supreme authority and get washed and forgiven. God Almighty laid down his life to atone for your sins that by grace through faith in him you could be saved and born again. You need to call on his name, Lord, though. You need to humble your heart and ask him to be the Lord of your life and I'll tell you, he'll meet you where you are at. We thank you and praise you, Lord. Help us to finish well lifting our voices to you. Let's worship the Lord. You are holy, you are holy, O God. You are holy, you are holy, O God. And I will worship you. You are mighty, you are mighty. 
sing, you reign. Well, there's food out there that's been prayed for. Guys, go out and enjoy that fellowship. Encourage one another. Um, God bless you. Pray you have a wonderful day and week in the Lord Jesus Christ.